0: All right, if you got your Bible, today we want to go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And we've been in a series that we want to continue today called The Eyes of Your Understanding. All right? So here we go. Get ready. Put your seatbelt on. Get ready to hear some truth that makes you free. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today once again. We look to you now for direction, for instruction, for, uh, for revelation and understanding to come to us now. Lord, we ask you to speak to us and give us that which is right and necessary for today. Lord, we believe that we receive now all that you want us to have. Thank you for your word coming alive in us in Jesus' name. Praise God. Everybody say it out loud. In fact, just pray this out loud. Say, Father God, Father God I, listen I listen to you now. I ask that you would teach me I would teach what I don't know. Show me what I don't see and give me clear understanding, me clear understanding. Of, truth of truth so that I could be free, so that I be free. in Jesus' name. Amen. John eight thirty one, Jesus said here, uh, the scripture said here, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, let me just say this again, jumped up in my heart again. Uh, Jesus was speaking to people who believed him. Many people become satisfied, I believe in the Lord. Well, fine, but Jesus has a proposition for those who believe in him. He said to, said to those, if you would abide in my word. Believing in the Lord and abiding in his word are not the same. It's an additional step that we take. Praise the Lord. See, it's, it's important that we understand in God there are many things that are done instantaneously the very moment we come to him our position our place our righteousness our forgiveness our eternal standing with him is secured and in place immediately the moment you received him but that doesn't mean there's nothing else to do that doesn't mean there's no more steps for us to take to progress in our relationship and walk with him increase in our knowledge and understanding of him and go forth uh, in his name. To accomplish something in life. There are things that we must do. Okay. He said in verse 32. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. And so I can conclude by that. That if I am in bondage. And struggling in an area of my life. That the answer. Or the thing that provides Freedom to me is truth. There are realities and truths that you and I don't see yet. There is more to see and understand. If you've been a believer, been saved for many, many years, you don't know everything. For one, no matter how much you know, I can still give you a scripture. 1 Corinthians 13 says, we know in part. So no one has achieved full understanding and they know everything and see everything in life. No, not a person has arrived to that point. And so all of us can and should continue to seek to see and understand and have revelation of truth uh, in our hearts and in our lives. Say amen. Thank you. I'll preach better now. (laughs) We've been uh, talking to you recently now about keys to understanding. All right. And we said, because again, is there anything we can do? Is there any part that we have to play in our eyes being opened? Understanding coming. In fact, before I get into that, look at Ephesians chapter 1. Just to lay further foundation again for what we're doing here, Ephesians chapter 1, I wouldn't take this time to share these things unless I believed it was vitally important, Ephesians 1 and verse 16, Paul says here, we're jumping in the middle of his discussion, because he said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He continually gave thanks and prayed for these, these people, these saved people, heaven-bound, forgiven, blood-washed, sanctified, Spirit-filled people that had some things going, but He continually prayed for them. Do you need prayer after you're saved? Do you need prayer after you're forgiven? Yeah, after you're filled with the Spirit. Do you still need prayer? Yeah, they did. You do. I do. And what did he pray? Verse eighteen, he says, "the the eyes, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened." And we'll get to this scripture, I think, more later, where we dissect it a little bit more. But that's the main point and principle that we're explaining here: that our eyes would be enlightened the eyes of our understanding it's our mind would be opened and be able to grasp and understand and see spiritual realities and truth that produces freedom if i don't see it i stay bound if i don't see how much the lord loves me and that jesus gave his life for me on the cross i stay a sinner i stay lost and separated from god but when i see it i get saved And when I see the other things that He has done for me and has provided, that and only only at that time can I walk in the reality of those facts. I've got to see it. I'd love to get a bottle of it. Just pour it on everybody. Pour it on myself. It doesn't come that way. It comes internally. Wow. There's no shortcuts to that. It's not something somebody else can do for you. See, how many know so much of our uh, society and culture is all about somebody else doing something for us? We've talked in previous uh, messages about you know poverty mentality. We've talked about a whole welfare mentality. How somebody else owes me. Somebody else, whether it's the government or my family or someone, has to do something for me. They owe this to me. Listen, here's one thing. Whether you think, of course, we don't want to think that way. But I got to tell you, there is no one else that can do this for us. No one can turn the light on inside of you. No person. No matter how, you pay them a million dollars. Pay the smartest person on the planet. Give them a million bucks. They can't do this for you. They might be able to buy you a house. Might be able to pay off your whatever. But they can't turn the light on. They cannot give you eyes to see. They cannot put in you an ability for your mind to comprehend and understand spiritual realities. This is something that only comes from the Lord. And if, I'm, if I live my life and I'm the kind of person who relies upon everyone else to take care of me and do things for me, I've got to tell you, this is something I'll never enter into. I'll never walk into this. Because I must all by myself seek Him so that this becomes a reality in my life. If I won't do it, it's not going to happen. Do we understand this? Say, why don't the Lord just do it for me? He doesn't. I know how we oftentimes, we can play on people, and I say we, I, I don't do this, I don't think, but we play on people's emotions in the sense if you want something from somebody, you present a real sad case to try to motivate any kind of care and concern and compassion in them so that they will give to you what you want from them. And that happens all day long. Unfortunately, that happens in churches and everything. People who are asking for money, they want to play on someone's emotions to try to get them to give. Do we know that the Lord is not moved by that kind of stuff? And He is the most compassionate person in the universe. Of course, His name is synonymous with love. But do you know that just because someone has a need or they're suffering some sort of pain does not move him to fix it. If that were the case, there would be no suffering around the planet today. And when I say he's not moved to fix it, he did fix these things in Jesus. He made provision. But he's not individually coming to your house just because he sees, oh, they've got a bill unpaid. I'm going to show up. Or this person, they've got a pain. They were diagnosed with this sickness. Here I am. No, that stuff is available, but just because there's a need doesn't bring him on the scene. Okay? And just because I'm in darkness in some area of my life, that in and of itself does not move the Lord to come and give me light. There must be something done on my part where I go after it. And we know this, the Lord is pleased with faith. And someone will operate in faith towards him. Everything opens up. But the Lord was compassionate before, during, and after any of that happened. And if I'm living my life waiting on someone to help me, someone to do this, this thing that we're talking about, I'll never get. I will never be free. Because no matter how rich you are, no, no matter how strong you are, no matter how gifted you are, you can't open someone's eyes. Have you ever tried? I have. We've all tried to get other people to see things. Can't you see this? And we explain and we convince and we pulled and tugged and worked with them. And, and they sat there glazed. And they had some kind of argument or something that was keeping them from seeing what you see. And you wanted with everything within you for them to be able to see it. But you can't do that. I don't mean stop trying, because sometimes people will make an adjustment when you talk to them, and they'll desire to see, and then they will, and they'll do what's necessary, and they will see it, but again, I can't make this happen, and just because I have a need does not mean it's going to be met. I must get truth, and so that's why we're talking about how to get this, again, now we were sharing with you keys to understanding we said number one the new birth is necessary because jesus said in john 3 that unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god not just go he can't see it he can't understand it and comprehend it you'll never be able to see and understand these realities without the new birth you must be born again Number two, we said that uh, we must have a love of the truth. We must have a love of the truth. It can't be, eh, whatever. Hmm. I'll take it or I'll take it or leave it, whatever. Whatever will be, will be. No, come on. What kind of attitude is that? If I want this, if I love this, I'm going after it. And a love of the truth. Inherently acknowledges that there is such a thing as truth that's being undermined today in our society people will say well whatever's true for you you know just be happy with that and don't bother anybody else this might be true for you in your circumstance see you might as well wipe that word out of the out of the dictionary because if it varies from person to person it's not truth it's just one person's opinion and, you know, at the same time, I think we should watch how we study the Word of God. Whenever we read a scripture, because I've seen people do this before, where someone's having a Bible study of some kind, and they'll take a particular subject or a passage of scripture, and they'll read that and then kind of go around the, uh, those who are there and say, now, what does this scripture mean to you? That's dangerous. It's not our, that's completely the wrong question. My goal is to not find out what that verse means to me. I should find out what does that verse mean to the Lord. Anytime you read a book of, of natural or spiritual inspiration, you want to find out what the author intended by what he said. That's the only way you can accurately discern and judge what was, uh, what's being said there. And so my goal, I don't say, what does that verse mean to you? What does that verse mean to you? Irrelevant. It doesn't matter what it means to me. It matters what it means to God. And that should be my goal and my pursuit. Lord, what are you saying here? What are you trying to accomplish in me? Otherwise, all of my experience and everything, all of my personal biases, they come into play. And I'll make whatever I want out of that scripture. If it says something that I don't like, I'll bend it. Make it fit into my mold. Of my preferences and what I like, what I'm comfortable with, and all kinds of goofy things happen with that, including here's a big problem. There's no truth, and so you don't end up free. Right. Yeah, I've been studying the Bible. I've been studying the Bible, and I'm all having all these kinds of problems. Stop fitting the Bible into your mold. Okay? We want and our desire must be to see it clearly as God intended. intended. Then I can ask this question. Okay? More appropriately, is... How does that verse, as God intended, apply to me? What did what he intended to say, how does that apply to my life, and how do I need to adjust myself to fit within the framework of his scripture? Too many times we water down verses with our experience, water scriptures down with our past history and our upbringing, upbringing where we always did it this way, man. It doesn't matter the way we always did it. God lets people do all kinds of screwy things. Huh? He'll let us do anything we want. doesn't mean it's right. doesn't mean we should. We need to adapt our mindset and our life to fit within His Word. Then, freedom. Yeah. Anyway, number two, <laughs> we're still reviewing. <laughs> we must love the truth. Number three, we said you must have a willing heart. Keys to understanding, I must have a willing heart. Jesus told those in his day, uh, he said, you guys search the scriptures. Remember John 5? and These things are talking about me. You're not willing to come to me. What a tragedy for someone to read the Bible or come to church and not come to the author of that scripture. But we must have a willing heart. Uh, Again, we we shared some of that already. I want to talk about number four now. Number four, this is a big key to understanding, and it's called, ready? Faith. I wanted to say it slow. I know you've never heard that word before. Faith, and I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 11 for this principle. This is a very, very important truth now in all areas of life, but especially concerning this subject, I am not going to have the eyes of my understanding enlightened without the component of faith. And we know that faith involves everything we do. We're supposed to have come to church today by faith. Why is that? Well, for those who are saved, you know the Scripture says this, the just shall live by faith. That means every person who's been justified. That means made righteous by the blood of Jesus. We've been made right with God. We are to do everything we do now by faith. Whereas we used to live by sight. I need physical representation of everything I believe and do. Now we're acknowledging and we live in two realms. We live in the natural realm. But we're fully cognizant at all times that there is a, there, there's a spirit realm. There are things that I can't see that are a reality to me. And when I do that, how many know that spiritual realm, that unseen realm, affects the natural realm. How in the world do you get bones to straighten up and joints to fix and tumors to disappear through the laying on of hands? Well, only one way. You're taking something that can't be seen and bringing it into into the seen realm. And these are reality of many of us have experienced and continue to experience over and over. That realm impacts this realm. So that's called living by faith. I mean, that's one of the things. There's much we can say about it. But hopefully we came to church today believing that we are going to get something. What? Not something seen. I'm going to go breathe the air. You know, I, I'm coming in here to get something that I don't see from the Lord is going to come into me. And here's one of the biggest things, truth. I'm expecting truth. We, we're supposed to give by faith. We're supposed to pray by faith. We're supposed to do everything we do in life. You should go to work by faith. You should relate to your spouse. How I many know you have to love by faith. If you don't love by faith, you're divorced. <laughs> if, you've been, if you've been married. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, there are, sometimes there's some unlovely things that take place, and you must operate in faith. In other words, not by what you see and feel, okay, to make things work. And this is the advantage that we have as believers. Look at Hebrews 11 now, verse 3. You know this verse should be highlighted cuz we used it in another series. It says, but we didn't cover this point. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Oftentimes we we, we read that verse and here's what we get out of it. Yes, I understand that the worlds were framed. In other words, the ages were refashioned and formed. Were framed by the word of God. That a word of God moves. And by faith, uh, that happens. But that's not really what that's saying. It's not saying that things were changed by faith. Even though that point could be made. It's saying by faith, we understand. One of the critical... and key components to understanding is simply believing. I believe unto seeing. Sight is very is very important when it comes to faith. And yet the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. But how many know that's talking about physical sight? But in, when someone has what we call spiritual sight or understanding... That produces faith in their life. If I don't see it, I can't have faith. Look look over at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. So by faith, we understand. Without faith, I'm going to be in confusion. I don't mean faith takes the place of understanding. Well, I don't understand it, but I just have faith. No, that's not what I... I mean faith produces understanding. When a person believes, it will produce seeing. I'm talking about internal seeing now, which eventually produces physical external seeing. Romans 10 This chapter, of course, is a great salvation chapter, tells us how we're born again into the kingdom of God, verse uh, verse 9 and 10. In verse 17, he went on to say, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, this hearing that he's referring to here, my question is, is that hearing with the physical ears? When, when Jesus made statements about a person having ears to hear, was he referring to these things that flap in the wind? <laughs> the, the things that on the side of your head? No, because everybody has those, barring an accident or something. Everybody has physical ears. And so why would you say if? So you say, well, oh, Lord, I mean... Everybody has ears to hear. They knew that's not what he was talking about. And I believe that this verse as well is not talking about physical hearing, even though the physical hearing is probably involved in it most of the time. Let's say let me ask you this: could a physically deaf person have faith? Could they hear without physical ears? Well they could. Obviously it's a great asset and a tool to hear. We're hearing audibly. With our physical ears today. But the goal must be hearing on the inside. If I hear audible noises and sound waves pass through my physical ears. But I don't get understanding of what's being said. Guess what? I did not uh, take faith away from from those sounds. Okay? So the goal again is hearing on the inside. When the light turns on. Faith is there. Today we're all hearing, aren't we? But how much hearing is really happening? So I can't answer that question. But I do know this. That should be our goal. My goal is to listen so that I will hear. Is to hear so that I can hear. Because if I hear on the inside, I can do anything. If I hear on the inside, I become empowered. I become enabled to do the very works of God, to accomplish all that He said I could do. But if I'm just hearing with my physical ear, big whoop-dee-doo. Could have wasted some time. In Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 2, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Not being mixed with In other words, what's the deal here? They heard the word, but it didn't benefit. Is it possible for you to hear the word today and it doesn't profit you or benefit you in in any way? Be a non-profit message. (laughs) that's only supposed to apply to the tax code. There should be much, much profit when we come to church or when we read our Bible. Amen. Amen. But they heard the word and it didn't benefit them because faith wasn't involved with it. These things must go hand in hand otherwise we do a lot of what we do in vain. If I don't get to a place where I see Things I didn't see before I'll not be more free than I was before okay let me give you this verse: Psalm, Psalm 119 in verse 130 119 130 the entrance of your words gives light it gives understanding to the simple his word comes in it brings Light. If I have light, I can now see. And I can walk in an in a, in a appropriate direction. I want you to look at Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. If I understand this principle that, of course, is foundational and many of us know, that faith is based upon the known will of God. That I can't literally or genuinely have faith in the unknown. Okay? People talk about blind faith. Well, if you're blind talking about not physically seeing, okay. But there is no such thing as someone not really seeing or understanding and having faith. They're just incompatible. You cannot have faith beyond knowledge. People of faith are not those who are ignorant, those who set aside knowledge, but rather they're the only ones that can have faith, is those that have knowledge. We just have knowledge of things behind the scenes. I have knowledge of things that I can't physically see. Because I have knowledge of them, I know that they're there and I can partake of it. I can get things in the spiritual unseen realm to take place and to affect the scene realm this is really cool cooler than the other side of the pillow it is it is something that really makes a difference when you know something's there and you can grab it with the hand of faith it all based on it starts with understanding now here's the deal based on that principle that i faith is based on knowledge The knowledge of God, what I know about Him. Does the Lord want me to understand things that I don't understand or mysteries? Does He he want me to see and have clear sight? If I don't know that, if I think maybe the Lord is hiding Himself from me or keeping His wisdom and truth away from me, then I can't use my faith to get it, right? Right? In Matthew 13, verse 10, it says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? In other words, he gave the parable of the sower and and stopped without giving the explanation. He said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven But to them it has not been given. Been given to you, but it hasn't been given to them. He went on to say, for whoever has to him will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Well, that's some pretty strong statements. From Jesus, the author of love. Mr. Compassion himself. Why do you talk to them in parables? So they don't see it. So they don't understand what I'm talking about. Wow. He said, it hasn't been given. We can see clearly this. Now, it's not automatic that the Lord gives to everyone what he knows. He doesn't show everyone the same stuff. And I see that, and I know this for certain. I want to be in the group that gets things shown to them. Because I already read John 8. And I know that I've got to see it if I'm ever going to be free. How can I get in the group that gets things revealed? Because he said, to you it has been given, but to them it hasn't. Wouldn't that be a bummer if you were one of the them? I'd rather be a you than a them. In other words, there was a group. There was a club. They knew the handshake. They had the key. They were on the inside. Okay, I'm telling the truth here now. Not just, not just preaching. <laughs> they were on the inside. And others were on the outside. If someone's on the inside, they have access to all the mysteries of God. Now, I don't mean they have, they have access. They're, they still need to uh, do something. Okay? Not by their own efforts. I'll get into that later. But there's something that needs to be done. But if, they're on, if someone's on the outside, you might as well not even look. But does that happen? Do some people want to be outside of God's family and His kingdom and yet benefit from what He has? Yet, when things get really hard, help! (laughs) They want God to be there and provide for them. Amen. You know, it's important to be a part... Let me just take this side thought right here for a moment. It's important to be a part of a family. Not only naturally and biologically, but... Uh, but spiritually. One reason for that is because when you're in a family you have somewhere to go when there is trouble. Oftentimes the reason people are suffering the worst is because when things fall apart and they go through a test or a trial they don't have anyone to go to. And it's not uncommon for people to go Sometimes people will go to a church even though they're on the outside. But how many know a church's priority just like your own family? Your family, your priority is you take care of your own. If you don't take care of your own, the scripture said you're worse than an infidel. Worse than a a sinner. You focus, uh, I mean, if my kid's hurting and your kid's hurting, you know, just say I'm a neighbor, neighbor of yours or something. My kid's hurting and your kid's hurting. You're taking care of your kid, aren't you? Because that's your family. doesn't mean you don't care about them, but we'll take care of our own first. That's the right thing to do. The Lord does that. Our church does that. All right. See, don't we want to help people on the outside? Certainly, but it's just not first. People should go to their own God first for help. And if your God is your money, go to it. If your God is your hobbies, go to them when someone dies. That almost sounds harsh, but it's wise. It is right for people to be in families, in spiritual families, where we've got somewhere to go. Amen. And when you're in trouble, you go to God, whoever that is to you. Let's just hope He is God. And not just something else. We know where our help comes from. Anyway, these folks, Jesus talked about, there were some people on the outside, and there were some people on the inside. There were those who knew the handshake, and those who didn't. The word there that's translated mysteries actually comes from a word that implies and and has a definition of um, a fraternity. When he's talking about people knowing the mysteries, And to some it has not been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It's because they're not in the fraternity. Some are in, some are not. If you're not in, you don't get it. You don't get to see everything. There's perks, there's benefits to being a part of the group. And so here's the good news for us. If you've been saved, you're on the inside. You know the secret handshake. You know the code to get in the back door. (laughs) Know what I'm talking about? We have access to all the wisdom and mysteries of God. And now we're in a position, knowing His will, we can expect our eyes to be open more and more. Because we're not on the outside looking in, trying to get someone else's God to do something for us. He's my God. He's my dad. I've been born of Him. I've given my life to Him. And I'm on the inside of the family. And so here we go. I'm going to see some more today. I'm going to see some more this week. My eyes are going to be open. I'm going to walk in a greater degree of freedom than ever before. Because truth is continually coming to me. Every time I open my Bible, I read. God is showing me stuff he's revealing truth and it's producing a change in me I couldn't get that if I were on the outside but I'm not never going back out It's raining out there nasty out there I'm gonna stay in the family under the umbrella of God's protection and love amen and in here oh things are good here's the good news Though someone said what about those other people doesn't God love them they've all got an invitation He's not excluding anyone because he doesn't care about it. Everyone is welcome to come in. Just join the family. Come on in through the Lord Jesus and you can partake of all the benefits and blessings too. But I'm not going to stand on the outside and just have access. Praise God. Let me give you one more and we'll close. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, praise God. I had three points to give to you today. But I did know, I knew on the inside as a study, it kept coming up, you're only going to talk about faith. I said, I don't have enough on that. I guess I did. First Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We need to understand this about revelation. It does not come through natural or human effort. It is not just the intelligent mind that sees truth and has understanding. You may have a very high IQ. Thank God for it. You have zero advantage in that high IQ of understanding spiritual realities. You could be dumb as a rock in your brain. In other words, you maybe you struggled through school, got mediocre or bad grades. <laughs> Some of you smiled. <laughs> but you are at no disadvantage from living free Amen. and having a revelation of God, being able to accurately and clearly see the things of the Spirit. Really, neither is at a disadvantage if they approach it correctly. If I think because I'm so smart or if I'm going to put in the time and study hard, and uh, then I'm going to come into revelation and, and understanding. No. It comes by faith. And you can have faith. How many know the Bible likened our faith? as it should be, like an unto a child. Not based on mental uh, accomplishments, great mental ability, but it has to do with a different kind of heart. And every one of us can come into a greater revelation and understanding. And I'm telling you, it will make the biggest difference in your life and in my life. If we see stuff, than anything else will. I mean, now that we're saved, of course, that caused us to get saved, seeing his love and his provision for our forgiveness of sins. But so much more than that, if I can see it, it'll be a reality in my life. And so my goal then, what am I looking for? Man, I'm coming to, I'm going to read my chapter. I'm going to, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to, whatever. I'm looking to see more. I know that's going to make the biggest difference. Praise God. You know, let me say this in closing. I've found this, that many times when I pray this way, I don't immediately have a flash of light where I pray Ephesians 1, and bing! All of a sudden, I'm seeing everything. I've, it seems to be more, I pray that, and I believe that I'm praying in faith, so I believe that something's happening when I do it. But then as I go, Sometimes I'm not even thinking about it, but I'll read or I'll just be praying and things will I'll, I'll go, wow, I never saw that before. Wow, look at that. Something I knew before, it becomes alive in me. I'm excited about it. And that's a good indication that you see it when you're excited about it, okay? So so, so oftentimes when you pray, don't think, I'm going to pray and then, <laughs> if I don't hear a voice, if I don't see something, I don't have a vision, you know, something, then it didn't, Well. Pray that and believe, and you'll find as you go, you'll have greater insight. As you go, things will jump out at you. And one word can make all the difference in the world. One word can, can, can eradicate cancer from a body. One word on healing, even though there's, there's, there's hundreds of verses that concern someone's physical healing. Man, when I see one of them, bam, bondage is released from me in that area. God's word is potent, powerful stuff. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today for being with us, for being for us, for being on our side. Lord, thank you that we're in the club. Lord, we're in the family. We're inside the kingdom. We are among those whom the mysteries are made available to. And Lord, for this, we thank you, and now we expect... And now we believe that understanding, greater understanding is coming to every one of us. The eyes of our understanding are being enlightened. And we're recognizing truth and understanding more than ever before. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And as Jesus said, if we'll seek, we will find. If we'll knock, it shall be opened unto us. If we'll ask, it shall be given. So we come to you not in our own merits, not in our own good uh, efforts and works. We come to you by faith in your grace that's been provided for all. And thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes now to see Lord, for those who struggle with sickness, give them an understanding. May they see your healing provision. Those who are struggling financially, Lord, may they see and have a revelation of the God who's more than enough for them. Open their eyes to see. Father, thank you for touching every heart today, moving in every life. We look to you. Come on, look to Him now. Look to Him in your own life. I'm praying here, but take some, take a moment. Take a moment to look to Him. To ask Him. It's not by mental exercise or effort. It's by faith. Ask, believing that He wants you to see. And to understand more than ever before. Oh, and He'll be faithful to show you. Lord, we look to you today. Thank you for touching our hearts, touching our lives. Giving us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We give you praise. We Thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing us, for talking to us. Greater things than these, we will see. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Father, I thank you now for every person, everyone who has come, and that you love us all equally. Jesus gave his life for all of us equally. I pray that you draw any single person now under the sound of my voice who's not right with you, not in a relationship with you, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. Tug on their heart like only you can do. So that they might experience your fullness and your best today. This morning with no one looking around, heads bowed, just respect to others around you.